I'm Pastor John Peterson. I'm Pastor Luke Ulrich. And I'm Vicar Jacob Kempfert. The Mount Olive Mankato podcast is your weekly message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. We welcome you to join us on Sundays in Mankato to experience the friendship of our congregation and Christ's love. For service times or to learn more about Mount Olive, visit us at mountolivelutheran.org. That's mtolivelutheran.org. And now it's time for your weekly message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for our sermon is from Matthew chapter 16. We hear verses 5 through 12. When his disciples came to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread along. Jesus said to them, Watch out and be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They were discussing this among themselves and said, It is because we did not bring any bread. Since Jesus knew what they were saying, he said, You of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you brought no bread? Do you still not understand? Do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many basketfuls you picked up? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many basketfuls you picked up? How is it that you do not understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not warning them about the yeast and bread, but about the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And we pray. Heavenly Father, guide our hearts and minds. Help us to not let the worries and concerns of this world overwhelm us or let us lose focus of our Savior. Help us to always concern ourselves over that which is most important, the message of forgiveness and salvation that comes to us through Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. How easy is it for us to buy into hype, to end up blowing things out of proportion, to to turn molehills into mountains? And I'll admit it, when I start scrolling and when I start then clicking and hitting on the clickbait that we find on social media, when I start listening to the different news networks, when I sit down and start listening to some people who have some really strong opinions on things, I can easily get worked up about these things. I can find myself easily sucked in, taken with, worried about, most concerned about certain things that I really shouldn't be all that concerned about in the first place. And I know it's not just me. I know this is something that is common to us all. This is something that happens to us all the time. We let things that that God considers to be small potatoes, and we let these become big concerns for us. And in the meantime, that which should be our biggest concern ends up being pushed aside. Our text for today deals with this. In our text, our Lord Jesus, he wants us to consider what we should and should not be concerned about. And he does this as he warns his disciples, as he says, watch out and be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees 
and Sadducees. Now, by, by bringing up yeast, Jesus here is referring to the baking process of how we get bread. Now, we know that yeast makes dough rise. And we know that it doesn't take much yeast to affect the whole batch of dough. Just, just a small, tiny, little amount produces a chemical reaction in the dough, causing it to rise, sometimes even double or triple in size. In Jesus' day, of course, you couldn't go to a store and buy yeast. It didn't come in a, in a little packet. Instead, the yeast would come from that leavening. It would come from a little batch of leftover dough that had been left out and had begun to ferment. It was a naturally occurring kind of thing. Yeast was also found naturally in the air, caused by little fungus spores that would be floating around in the air that could then land on the dough and cause that dough to rise. And so it could become really a a tricky process to try and prevent that yeast from coming and affecting your dough, especially if you were making unleavened bread. You'd have to sweep and clean the house and make your bread carefully so that it wouldn't be contaminated by any of of that yeast. The Bible uses this illustration to show how even a tiny little amount of leavening or yeast of sin or of evil or of false teaching can really permeate and change the entire batch. And that's why St. Paul, he refers to it, and he says that we are to purge ourselves of such yeast. It's also the whole point and the picture behind the Jewish festival of unleavened bread. For seven days, seven whole days, directly following Passover, God commanded his people to be very careful so that no yeast or leavening would enter into their bread dough, which would then cause it to rise. He wanted his people to only eat that flat, cracker-like bread called matzah. It was a symbolic object lesson that God put in place for his people. Just this tiny amount of yeast, just as a tiny amount of yeast can cause the dough to rise, so too can a tiny little bit of sin affect the heart and cause your heart to to rise up and and to become worthless because of that sin, ultimately for a soul to be lost. Such yeast of sin needed to be purged. It needed to be swept away. It needed to be cleansed. It was serious. It was a serious process. It, It took effort on the part of the people, and that was the point that God was making there. By instituting that festival, don't let this yeast of sin influence or control you at all. At all, Don't let it touch or permeate your heart. In Jesus' warning, he also makes a rather surprising statement when he says to beware of the yeast that comes from both the Pharisees and Sadducees. After all, these two groups, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were opposing Groups. They didn't have much in common. Just as the two main ruling political parties of, of our country always seem to be at odds, they don't find much common ground. So it was the case here with these leading political parties at Jesus' time. 
There was very little that they had in common. They didn't work together very well, Pharisees and Sadducees. The Sadducees were a group of people who were religiously very liberal. They denied the supernatural. They didn't believe in the resurrection or in any afterlife. They were also those who were willing to play politics. They were happy to play along with the Roman Empire if it meant that they could maintain some of their own influence and some of their own culture and traditions. And this was very different from the Pharisees who were highly devout, highly religious. They believed in the supernatural. They took their religion seriously. The Pharisees were annoyed by the Roman authorities, and they tried to fight back against any outside influence or culture that would try and and, and wind its way into their world. They longed for the mighty, glorious nation of Israel as it once was, under King David. So you have these two very different opposing groups, and yet Jesus, in his warning, he, he lumps them together. Why? Well, what was it that they had in common? What they shared and what they had in common was their rejection of Jesus Christ as the Savior. Neither group was willing to listen to or follow Jesus or hear what he had to say. They were unwilling to concern themselves with his teachings because what Jesus taught did not match up with their own agendas or with their own concerns. And it didn't even matter that Jesus was performing all of these miraculous signs and wonders, that he did these divine miracles. They saw him do these things repeatedly, and yet they still denied him. They refused to submit themselves to him. They refused to put their faith and trust in Jesus. And that is really what is at the heart and core of of this yeast that Jesus is warning us of. They were concerned about earthly matters instead of having their hearts set on things above. They were concerned with their own efforts, with their own work, which would then provide them with what they thought was needed rather than trusting in Jesus. And that is, spiritually speaking, deadly. Such yeast can work its way through one's heart and ultimately lead to eternal death in hell. And it's not just the Pharisees and Sadducees. Everyone struggles with this. How often, especially now in our own lives, with all of this pandemic stuff going on, with with all of the tensions in our world and in society, with this upcoming election cycle, do we find ourselves in Martha's shoes? You remember how Jesus was once a guest in the home of Mary and Martha. You remember how Martha was freaking out about all of these things that she had concerned herself with. Preparing the food and the meal, being a good host. But what does Jesus say to her? How does he lovingly respond? He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is needed. Or consider Jesus' words after another occasion where he had to face off against the Pharisees. When he says, if you abide in my word... 
then you are really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Or consider consider Jesus' words from his Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus preaches in Matthew 6, why are you worried about food and clothing? Why are you worried about all of these, these earthly things? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God has promised to provide for your needs, for the needs of your body and life. God has promised to give you daily bread. And yet the yeast of of all of these earthly concerns The sin of getting carried away with our own worries and agendas instead of trusting in God still seems to get the better of us. Even Jesus' disciples in our text, they fall right into this trap, even directly after Jesus warns them of it. Jesus and his disciples, they had just sailed to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, and as soon as Jesus, (coughs) in his in his warning, mentions yeast or leavening. The disciples' minds jump to food, to bread, and they realize what morons we are. Here we are, far from home, and we didn't bring any food with us. You can picture them standing there, talking amongst themselves, getting annoyed with each other, upset with each other because of this this oversight. They were allowing an earthly concern to get blown out of proportion. There was this mistake or some sort of miscommunication. And yet it was escalating now into selfish thoughts and words. While what was lacking was trusting in God. And that's why Jesus turns to them. And he knows what what is going on with them. He directs them back to himself as the one that they should be turning to and trusting in, to find help with these kinds of concerns. Jesus says, you have little faith. Why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you brought no bread? Do you still not understand? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you picked up afterwards? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you picked up? Our Lord Jesus, he, he points the disciples back to some recent events, some events that should serve as proof that they can absolutely trust in him and in the compassionate heart that he has to provide for the needs of his people. Why are you worried about food? You saw firsthand my desire to provide for those in need, Jesus is saying. Don't be concerned about such things. That's my concern for you. And I've got that covered. I love how Jesus points out to them that this is a reoccurring theme. You were all there when the 5,000 were fed. And then again, you were there when the 4,000 were fed. It's like the old saying, repetition is the mother of learning. Jesus repeated himself quite often, and he did so for the sake of his disciples, his followers, so that they might be reassured. And glory be to Jesus. This is still the case for us today. We need Jesus to continue to repeat himself 
and to reaffirm to us what the greatest concern should always be. And that greatest of all concerns is to put our trust in him, that we can believe in him, that he is going to be there for us, providing for our bodily, earthly needs, but more importantly, more importantly, that he is also going to be providing for our greatest need, the forgiveness of our sins. And that is a message that needs to be repeated again and again. Your sins are forgiven. I've got this covered, is what Jesus says to you and me. And we need to hear that constantly. Because we are constantly dealing with that yeast of sin and evil, of of doubting Jesus. It's always trying to to creep its way into our hearts, to, to be so concerned about other things that we let our greatest concern be pushed aside. And just like the disciples, there are absolutely times where we let this yeast rise up in our hearts so that we get carried away with, with certain worries or concerns and we fail to put our trust in Jesus. But even though that happens to us again and again, we have a Savior who is willing to repeatedly forgive us and reassure us. Again and again, he points us to the cross and he proclaims, you are forgiven. I have earned a perfect righteousness that you can take as your own. I have taken your guilt, I have taken your debt of sin, and I have paid for it all twice over by giving up my own blood, my own life upon the cross. And you can absolutely trust that I have done this for you and that I am going to cover all of your other needs because I am not dead and gone, buried in some grave somewhere. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He is now ascended to his heavenly throne, and there he is ruling with power for his people, including you and me. As Jesus pointed his disciples back to his glory and to his power, and he tells them in our text, don't worry, trust in me, stay away from the yeast, the unbelief and doubt of those who reject me. See how I have again and again worked my divine power for your good. Realize that he continues to say that to you and to me. See how I have repeatedly worked my divine power for your good. After all, hasn't God provided you with daily bread? Hasn't he brought you through all of these other earthly concerns that might have seemed and and still perhaps might even now seem to be so drastic and huge? And hasn't Jesus put his divine miraculous power to work for you? Yes, he has as he washed you of your sins in baptism, and as he continues to come to you and he repeats that promise that he made to you at your baptism. Every time you turn to him with a repentant heart, he proclaims, I forgive you. You are cleansed. Go in peace as God's own child. 
Or consider the beautiful declaration that Jesus gives us as he shares his own body and blood with us to eat and to drink in the Lord's Supper. This is given, this is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Depart in peace. Or really, anytime we gather together around his word here in church or in our own personal or family devotions, he is working through that word to assure us that in spite of all of these earthly concerns that might be raging around us, we have him concerned for us. What great peace that gives to you and me. So dear friends, as, as we have all sorts of different concerns popping up before us, be reminded of how our Savior, the God-man, Jesus Christ, has first of all been concerned for us. See how he has repeatedly been at work for us, providing for us, taking care of our concerns. We should trust in him in all times, in all places, in all things. When that yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees, when those those doubts, when that lack of trust starts to creep into our hearts, turn back. Return to Jesus and hear from him again the reassurance, the beautiful words of forgiveness that he proclaims to us. That is what we should be concerned about. All glory be to our Lord Jesus. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.